As you know, we've been talking about promises, and one of the things that uh, the Lord has been laying on my heart is to continue with the thread of the promises, but we're going to kind of take a, uh, a turn off the beaten path today. And we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, about the end times and just kind of some things that are going on in today's world that, that I think that the scripture has addressed. Uh, you guys know that, that you can find anything you need to know in this book. You can find answers to love. You can find answers to success. You can find answers to sadness. You can find answers about raising your kids, about having relationships with other people. There is nothing really that is important in your life and probably stuff that isn't even important in your life that isn't mentioned in this book. I'm, I'm always excited to read the Bible because the more books I read around it, about it, it just kind of leads me back to saying, well, why do I want to hear about it when I can just actually read it? I was uh, having a conversation with a, a pastor a friend of mine on, on the weekend, and we were just talking about uh, different, uh, different things, and, and he, he brought up a scripture, and the Holy Spirit just started ministering to me about that scripture, so we're going we're gonna to do that tonight. Um, if you would open your Bibles to Luke chapter 21. That's Luke chapter 21. And also go to Mark chapter 13. It's Mark chapter 13. And that's where we're going to start tonight. And we're going we're gonna to jump around in, in quite a few places. And the notes have uh, some, uh, some scriptures that I may or may not refer to in what we're talking about tonight. But... It, the, the notes are definitely a supplement or a support to what we're going to be talking about this evening. Amen? Amen. So, let's pray. Father, we give you thanks and praise for bringing us here tonight. Lord, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. And like a, uh, a deer panteth after water, Lord, we panteth after your word. Give us water from the well of your knowledge, Holy Spirit, to drink from tonight. Father, we invite your Holy Spirit into this place. You are welcome here, Holy Spirit. All spirits not of the Holy Spirit, you are not welcome in this place. We bind you. We cast you out. We break any plans that you have against disruption in this Bible study or those who are going to listen to it at any other time. We come against you with the blood of Jesus. Father, we just ask for eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive, Lord, that your angels be around this place and be around those that listen to this teaching. Lord, ministering peace and tranquility to them. Father, we give you thanks for this study. We yield ourselves as empty vessels to receive your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 21, 36. That's Luke chapter 21, 36. But keep on the alert at all times, praying in order that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. You know, this is a scripture that's usually used to talk about pre-tribulation and mid-tribulation and post-tribulation raptures and all kinds of other deep theological stuff. And it's also something that is, uh, that, that it's also one of the scriptures that, that, uh, that we use to talk about uh, the restoration of all things. We're not going to go down that road tonight because I believe that the Holy Spirit really has something for us to, uh, to grasp from this. So let's dig right in and let's really start to see what the Lord would have us see in this scripture. First of all, it says, but keep on the alert Keep on the alert at all times. You know, sometimes Christians believe that being a Christian is something that you do on Sundays when you go to church. Uh, it's uh, when you're having your little Christian conversations with your buddies. And it's something you do on Tuesday or Wednesday nights when you go to Bible study. We are always to be Christians. We are always to be on the alert. Why? Well, because... Being a Christian is a full-time job, y'all. Okay, when you, were, when you were saved, when you were born again, okay, you became part of God's army. The scripture says that, that the battle is the Lord's, right? 
but he's going to use us to win that battle. We, the, the scripture literally says that we are his battle axe. Being on the alert is so important that Jesus repeats it over and over and over in all the scriptures. See, the biggest thing that the enemy wants you to do is be listless. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, nothing. Just hanging out. Just vegging. Just letting my mind stay open and wander about with any doctrine that wants to fill it. Absolutely nothing. Tired from work, man. So I'm just going to sit here and veg out. But when you're vegging out, what are you doing? Are you taking every thought captive and casting the vain ones down as vain imaginations? The thoughts that aren't according to Scripture? Are you allowing things to get into your soul that shouldn't be getting there to begin with? Your eyes, your ears, your hands are all receptacles for seeds, for ministry that go into your soul. And if you don't carry every thought captive and look at it in comparison to Scripture, then you are actually giving the devil some room in your life to really torment you. See, understand that when you became a Christian, you, you signed up to fight a battle. And as any soldier would know, when you are on the battlefront, okay, you are to be alert and aware at all times. You, there's no such thing as, you know, falling asleep and just becoming totally tuned out when you're on the battlefront. That's why they had back in the, you know, 1800s and 1700s, they had those Minutemen guys that would, you know, that they would be expected to be up and around in one minute and ready to fight because you never knew when the enemy was going to come around. If you look in Mark 13, that's Mark chapter 13, verse 35, as Jesus speaking here, he says, Therefore, be on the alert. For you do not know when the master of the house is coming. And then he, he goes on here to talk about all the different times of day. Yeah, well, could he come in the morning? Could he come in the evening? Well, basically, I think Jesus pretty much covered it all here, whether in the evening, in the midnight, you know, when the cock crows, uh, you know, in the morning, any time. And what he's making us understand here is that we are to be on the alert for not only the wiles of the enemy, but also be alert for his coming. Do you know Jesus is coming back? You know, Buddha's rotten in the ground. Muhammad, rotten in the ground. Okay? All of them, they're all rotten in the ground, dead as doornails. None of them are coming back for anybody. But Jesus, well, he went into the ground and he came up on the third day, hallelujah, and then he preached the gospel and then sat down beside the right hand of the Father. And then he is going to come back for his church, which is his bride, which is, guess what? That's you and me. Glory to God. You see, so Jesus is telling us here in Mark 13 to be on the alert, but to be on the alert for his coming. You see, it's, it's a matter of being about my father's business. Well, what is my father's business? Well, Jesus told us to what? To go out and make disciples of them. To go out and spread the good news. Hey man, Christ died for your sins. You don't have to be responsible for your damnation anymore. You don't have to do that. Christ died for that. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Anything you do in life should end up in the gospel. Whether you're, you're talking to your kids, whatever it is you're doing, it should be some way, somehow, associated with the gospel. Even if it's just a silent witness. I'm certainly not telling you to take time now on the job and, you know, and stop people that, you know, that are customers of your company or what have you and say, hey, do you know Jesus? You know, do you know Jesus? The boss is going to come and say, hey man, why don't you uh, start working and stop preaching? That, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that when people, when people see you, they need to know that you're about something different, that you're not just out there existing, that you're not just out there kind of sitting like a bump on a log, that you're alert, that you're aware of your surroundings, that you have, that you have something that you can base your life on. Do you realize that the world, most people in the world, and, and, and even most of us before we came to, to Christ, we really didn't know where we were standing? 
I mean, we did not know up from down, left from right, when things would just happen to us, we just kind of get ticked off about it and say, man, why is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this? Why, why do I deserve this honor? Why do I deserve this disease? You know, and even when good things happen to us when we were in the world, I mean, why did things happen? You know, and, and, and of course, some of us thought we deserved every good thing that ever happened to us in the world. There, there's a, a thing that said, why do bad things happen to good people? Right? Now listen to this. But the scripture says that there's not a good one among us, not a one. Right? So the real question, let's turn it around, is why should good things happen to bad people? Think about that for a second. Really, they shouldn't, but it's God's grace. You see, it's God's grace that allows these things to happen to his people. Okay, and if you're, if you're not with the Lord, hey, you know, He's, he's calling you. He's trying to woo you into the kingdom. Two verses down in Mark, uh, in Mark chapter 13. And what I say to you, I say to all be on the alert. You see, Jesus is again telling you to be on the alert. Turn over to Luke chapter 12. Verse 37. And again, here's Jesus talking. It says, Blessed are those slaves whom the master shall find on the alert when he comes. You see, and, and, and it goes on to say how he's going to serve them at the table. And the whole idea here isn't, I don't, I don't want to be on the alert so that Jesus serves me at a table. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm one of those people that believes that I'm going to get into heaven probably by the skin of my teeth. I don't know about you. I, I've talked to Christians. Oh, well, I believe I deserve it, man. I, I can't wait because I know God's got a huge thing for me. And man, I'm just, listen, I, I don't care what God's got for me. As long as I spend eternity with him, I, I don't care what it is. So for me, I, I don't want Jesus to serve me. But if it's one of those things where, you know, if you don't let me wash your feet, then you can't hang out with me, then hey, you know, my feet, my head, my hands, whatever, you know. But really here, Jesus is commanding us to be on the alert. It means to be aware. Now, how are you going to be aware of what is going on in the world, what you're supposed to know as a believer well, you're supposed to read your scripture, of course, but are you just supposed to read your scripture? No. We also have other tools that have been given to us as believers. Praying. We're supposed to pray. Pray is not a one-sided conversation. Prayer is not talking at God, as very uh, a great deal of religions teach us. A, a prayer is actually communication with God. Turn with me here in, to uh, Mark chapter 14. Just a little further down here. Mark chapter 14. Go down to verse 38. And it says, keep watching and praying. So it's not just, it's not just lock yourself in your house. Oh, I'm just praying. Don't bug me. I'm just praying. I don't, I don't want to hear about that stuff that's going on out there. Keep watching and praying. When you don't understand what's going on, Lord, what, why is this going on? Pray. Don't just say, oh, that, that's just the heathens getting in trouble again or, you know, or, or, or something. Pray and ask that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, when, when, something, when we see something bad, we're always inclined to point a finger. Oh, I know exactly why that happened. That, that happened because they're, they're not Christians. They're not, they're not believers, and, 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 and bad things happen to non-believers, and, and serves them right. Maybe one day they'll understand that they could be as religious, uh, I mean, as spiritual as me. And that's not, that's not why these things happen. God's got a plan. God's got a plan, and his, the desire of that plan is that none perish. None. God's got a plan for them. 
He's got a way for them. He's got a road for them. And they have been predestined. That means their ticket's been paid for. All they've got to do is accept it. So before we go out into the world to judge people and to say, oh, this is happening, pray. Ask the Lord, Lord, why is this, why is this happening? Do you know sometimes we spend our time as Christians praying people out of a circumstance that's going to bring them to the very feet of Jesus? Sometimes when you look at, especially when you see another believer, you know, because of course we're called to bear one another's burdens. So it's, it's very difficult and very painful for us to see another believer going through a financial turmoil. Or, you know, um, my wife and I minister to, to various people. And right now we're, we're ministering to somebody who's having a great deal of, of financial issues in their life. And really, before you run off and start binding the spirit of Python and start casting down the devil and saying, stop attacking their finances and all this other stuff, before you make an idiot of yourself doing these things, stop and pray. Ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that you're trying to to do in this situation if a a non-believer comes to you and says, hey man, I've noticed that you're, you know, you're different than everybody else. You, you, you know, at lunch, you're, you're sitting there and you're reading that Bible and, you know, you're, you're always at peace. All the rest of us are worried about layoffs and all of these different things. And you just praise the Lord. You know, you're, you just always got a big smile and you always got a nice word to say to people. Or are you one of those bah humbug Christians? You know, I believe in Jesus. Leave me alone, you heathen. You know, or do you always have a an uplifting word. Are you one of those critical Christians? Are you one of those Christians that are walking around? You know, we're called to be salt and light of the world. Are you running around with a big, you know, cop flashlight? Hey, hey, what are you doing in there? What are you doing in there? Or are you lighting up the world with the joy of the Lord? You know, and the only way that we're going to be able to spread that light, to know how we can accomplish our Father's business is through prayer. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. And we talked about this last week. As a result, and that is of our being saved, we are no longer to be children. We're not to be children. We're to grow up. And that means that it's a continuous faith walk. A continuous faith walk. You're not supposed to be in the same place today that you were last week or you were last year. Oh, we've been Christians for years. I've been a Christian since I was a little kid. Really? So then you must know the Bible inside out, backwards and forwards, upside down. Because if you don't, then you're in a stagnant faith walk. The Bible says to study to show thyself approved. You see? And the only way that we're going to be able to show ourselves approved is to study the word and to not be tossed about by these doctrines by this prosperity gospel that's been going around or this god is uh, god is basically up there to do anything i you know that i ask him to do and you know and i can change god's mind if i pray enough and if i badger him enough and you know what god, god is not subject to us God is not subject to us. So stop listening to that twisted doctrine that some people are out there pushing, especially on Christian television. Okay? Stop sending those people your money. Stop funding those lies. Okay? Stop sowing into this blessing or sowing into that blessing or, oh man, there's a move of the Spirit and when there's a move of the Spirit, it's time to take out your wallet. Preachers, day after day, after day, after day, leading people into heresy, telling them, oh, you need to sow into this, and taking little lines of Scripture and twisting them to get money out of Christians' pockets, ministering to their flesh, tickling their ears, feeding on their fears, feeding on their, oh, you know, if if you're in a bad situation right now, you're in a bad situation because you're not sowing. God is punishing you. God is not, you need to sow into this right here. I've got a vision. God's given me a vision and you're going to fulfill it. (coughs) Um, Calvary Chapel is a a very interesting church to me. It's a very interesting church movement because they don't encourage uh, the passing of the plate. Now there are some Calvary chapels, for example, that do pass the plate, but they don't put such a focus 
I mean, it's just kind of what they do. You know, okay, it's time to do your tithe and offerings. You can pass a plate and put them there, or there's a box in the back. Um, but there's not this 45-minute mini-sermon <laughs> before the real sermon, which is usually based on sowing some more, um, in the end-time church or the apostate church, that's so focused on money. I mean, the scripture has a lot to say about money, but that's not where it's at. It's, it's a doctrine of men. God gives us a vision, and there are some great men of God that God has given some great visions to. But just because God gives you a vision doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily run out every time and, and do it. Every time I've run in front of the Holy Spirit, I've fallen flat on my face. Most of the time when the Holy Spirit gives you a revelation about something, you need to stop and, and realize that the Lord is giving you this vision. And if the Lord is giving you the vision, then he's going to bring around a way to bring that vision to fruition. You understand? And, and, and I've talked about before how God has laid on my heart to give away a lot of software. And, and, you know, and in the end, he did it in such a miraculous way that I would have never thought that he was going to do it that way. So we need to be very careful about how, how we, we, we do what God tells us to do. That also relates to when we see things in the newspapers, when we see things in the scripture um, that look like what's going on in the newspaper. I mean, there's, there, there's no doubt that it's a great time that we're living in right now. It is such an exciting time, I think, to be a Christian, to be a believer and a disciple of Christ. Because really, never, ever, ever before in the history of the world have things aligned in such a way to to really let us know that Jesus is near. And, and though he may tarry for just a little while, really the, the, the season is there. The Bible says that no men know the day nor the hour, but we will know the season, right? So we don't know if he's going to come on you know, September 10th of the year 2012 or, or what have you, but we do get some clues we don't go to Nostradamus for our clues. <laughs> you, ever seen that, you ever seen that thing about Nostradamus? If it were up to Nostradamus, the world should have blown up by now. I think the world was supposed to blow up in 2000 or something, according to Nostradamus. He had some freaky stuff. This book really tells the whole story of mankind. Turn with me to Revelations, which is always an interesting book to read if you can understand it. And really, the, the way that you can understand Revelation is through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I would strongly recommend that you pray for Revelation about Revelation when you read Revelation. <laughs> Does that make sense? Just rewind and <laughs> listen again. <laughs> On chapter 1, verse 3, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy. So not only are you blessed if you, if you read it, but you're blessed if you hear it. Do you know that when you hear a prophetic word from the Lord, that is a blessing to you? A real blessing of the word, right? And the scripture says to heed these things. That means that God doesn't speak for nothing. God is not wasting his spit. <laughs> my mom used to tell me, am I wasting my spit with you? Yeah, no, mom. No, I'm listening. I hope not. And heed the things that are written in it, in the scripture, obviously, for the time is near. And actually, in, in many respects, the time is here. <laughs> the time isn't near. When you look at the conditions of the world, I mean, how much worse could it get? How much crazier could things get? How much more of what Jesus said could it, could it, how bad could it be? Could it be? We say, yeah, but Mikey, I don't understand Revelation. I read about dragons and stars and thrones and let's break it down. Let's, let's, let's hear what Jesus himself had to say about the end times. You, you realize Jesus is God, right? Okay. So Jesus and the Father are one, right? In John, it says that in the beginning, 
was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And Jesus said, I am the Word. And all things were created through Him. So Jesus was there at the beginning. So Jesus, if God knows the beginning and knows the end, or knows the end from the beginning, and Jesus is God, then He, he knows it better than anybody. So turn with me to Matthew 24 and D, if you could read us verses 6 through 8. And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pain. Wow, we're, we're sitting on the eaves of some of the most horrible earthquakes that have taken place in history. Some of the most horrible famines that have taken place. Wars. I mean, now I just heard of, 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 of from the Jerusalem Post just this morning. Don't know if you guys saw this anywhere, but the Jerusalem Post this morning just said that a war between the United States and Iran is imminent. It does show that this scripture is true. There are rumors of wars all the time. First of all, we, we just had a, a huge, a huge cyclone hit in Burma and, and it killed what? Like 150,000 people, 200,000 people. It's insane. The number, and they're still not done with the body count. In China, we had a 7.8 on the Richter scale and it killed like 60,000 people or some crazy number like that. Again, it's a it, devastation. Now, when we look at birth pangs and you look in your notes, of course, we all know we, we, we've experienced, uh, some ladies have experienced birth pains and guys have experienced birth pains too. I know that in the middle of my wife giving birth to one of our children, she bit <laughs> one person and punched me. <laughs> it's great. So guys, we get our share of birth pains as well. When a woman is going through labor, the, the pains do what? They get they get more and they get intense. intense and they get closer together. You see, so it's not only the fact that, I mean, there have been, you know, there have been wars and rumors of wars and famines and, and earthquakes and all that stuff for forever on the earth since the fall. One could argue that that's part of the fall, right, is this whole thing of, of all these different weird weather patterns and all of that stuff. But never to the intensity that we're experiencing them now where it just seems that every time you turn on the television and every time you turn on the news, you hear, you hear about more problems going on. And people say, well, yeah, but Mikey, you know, the media, you know, when something happens in China, it's immediately up on CNN, so we're just a better connected world. No, I'm sorry, I, I don't agree with that. Birth pangs are definitely taking place when it comes to the weather. Now, if you look, though, I found something even more interesting in the second definition. And that definition talks about birth pangs with respect to a new democracy. That really jumped out at me because really, do you guys know that, that, that the world stage is setting itself up to become a one world government? So for that to happen, first of all, there needs to be a great equalization of things, okay, of, of, of resources. They're already talking about, oh man, there's famines, so we need to send food over here, we need to send money over there. And yes, it's the right thing to do, to send money over here and food over there and all of that stuff. But what's happening? Well, the food and the money and everything's got to go somewhere. So what's happening is it's redistributing. Do you know that the One World Order folks, okay, or the New World Order folks, they have an agenda that by 2018, and that's not too far away, that we will be a one world government. Now, I don't, I don't get a check in my spirit one way or the other that, oh, it's going to be 2018 and, and, you know, and, the, and we're going to be a one world government and the Antichrist is going to come on the scene. But I will tell you that when you look at the world scene, there's never been more of a time for the Antichrist to really start coming up on the scene when you look at all the turmoil, especially the stuff going on in the Middle East. Do you realize that the United States is not 
in end time scripture at all. I mean, we, we try and twist the book a little bit. Yeah, we are, man. We're there. I promise it's this or it's that. It's, it's the, we're, we're the great harlot. You know, we're something. We're the, 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 the people that go down in an hour. You know, we're Mystery Babylon. We're, no, sorry, I, I don't see it. That's neither here nor there. It doesn't really matter because what happens in the end time is going to affect the whole world anyway, whether we're written about in Scripture or not. Okay, but it's important for us, again, to stay alert. Stay alert. Understand what's going on around you. Look at the times. Study the scriptures. Listen to the words of God's prophets. In the, the, the book of Daniel says that the books are going to be sealed until that time. Well, what time is that? To the end times. And we're in those end times right now. I mean, how is it that Jesus was able to talk about the reunification of Israel 2,000 years ago? How is it that Jesus was able to talk about the wars and rumors of wars and all these 2,000 years ago? And not, not to predict those. I mean, granted, any, any scoffer could say, yeah, but, you know, I'm sure there were wars and rumors of wars back then and there were earthquakes and there were famines. I mean, we read about plenty of those. Yeah, but how did he know they were going to increase? A lucky guess? Let me tell you, Jesus made, if that's the case, Jesus made lucky guess after lucky guess after lucky guess. None of the prophecies that Jesus said were going to happen didn't happen. And the ones that he did say are going to happen, you can look back throughout history and see everything from the destruction of the temple to what we're going through today. So what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to go hide under our beds? No, the scripture says to be on the alert, to understand the times, to know what's going on. Turn to the book of Philippians. I want to show you something. And turn to chapter 4, verse 7. This is Paul writing from jail. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Understand that when you see this stuff, okay, understand that God's peace is supposed to guard your heart. God is giving you as one of his children forewarning, not to scare the heck out of you, not to trip you out, not to freak you out, but so that you get excited. Understand that that, that his Day is coming soon. Jesus is coming anytime soon. God reminds us in scripture after scripture that nothing is going to happen to us. In Psalm 91, okay, verse 7, it says, A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. That means it's not even going to come near you. Understand, folks, I've said it before, if you have a problem in your life, if the economy is doing badly, okay, and you happen to be a victim of that right now, you get a layoff in your job or whatever, it's temporary. You are not under the same kind of issue that the rest of the world is. God is using that circumstance to put you in a place where you look for Him, Many of us depend on that paycheck and it takes us the loss of that paycheck, even if it's temporarily, for us to look back at the Lord and to realize that that paycheck is not our provider. It's God who's our provider. Our savings account, our bank accounts are not our provider. I was having a conversation with some folks the other day. So, well, don't you believe in, in savings? I'm here on tape to tell you, no, I do not believe in savings. Now, the Bible says to leave an inheritance for your children, okay? But that doesn't mean to save up stuff and say, well, I'm going to leave that for my kids. I'm gonna... No, it means to live your life as a submitted servant to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is going to grow you to such a point that when you leave, you're going to leave for your children. 
But not because you've been scrimping and saving like a miser and investing and thinking that this investor is going to say, put, make you 10% on your money and 20% on this and 30% on that. No, build the kingdom with your money. Sow, sow money into the kingdom. Sow money into the gospel. Not to these guys who tell you God's going to give you back 150 fold if you just sow into this and you buy this tape series. It's going to lead you to this and that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about truly sowing into the kingdom. Go out there and help somebody. Go out there and, and minister to people. Go out there and sow. Buy Bibles. Distribute them throughout your neighborhood. Give people the message of Jesus Christ. Go on some mission trips. Go to a country you've never been to before and start talking to them about Jesus. Don't just think that your that you're sowing ends at the basket at church, at the box in the back, or when you decide you're going to give a homeless guy a dollar or whatever. Your sowing should be perpetual. The only reason that Christians don't have money is because they're too miserly with the money that God gives them. God doesn't want you to keep his money for heaven's sakes. God wants you to share his money with everybody else. And when God gives you his money to share with everybody else, he's going to give you more of it. And when you do that, he's going to give you more of it. And he's going to give you more of it. And more of it. Why? Because he's the owner of the cattle on every hill. He's the owner of the gold and the silver. There's no such thing. God doesn't care if it's five dollars or five million or five trillion it's just what are you doing with it so when these times start to affect you don't look at them i've said this before and i can't say it enough don't look at your tribulation don't look at your adversity as a jail cell look at it as a classroom lord what are you showing me here examine my heart help me examine my heart show me the error of my ways show me what you're trying to teach me here are you trying to build my faith are you trying to teach me something Understand that the only way that you can be a good fighter in the army is if you go through boot camp. Okay, and boot camp beats the tar out of you. Sometimes when you go through boot camp, let me tell you, a lot of guys can't make it through boot camp. I know with this belly of mine, man, I can't make it through boot camp right now. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a thing where boot camp is supposed to prepare you for battle. If you are in God's army and you are never experiencing battle, then I would seriously wonder if I was a member of that army. If you're not being persecuted, Jesus said, consider it a blessing. When he goes on in chapter 24 of, of, uh, of Matthew back there, <laughs> he talks about it's going to be great, it's going to be this and that. And by the way, and then you'll be killed. <laughs> You know, yeah, come and imagine. Hey, dude, let me tell you, God loves you. Jesus died on a cross for you. Come with me. Become a Christian, man. You're going to, you know, Christ is going to live in your heart and everything. And by the way, you're going to die. Because Christ said, they're going to kill you. They're going to persecute you in my name. So this walk of Christianity is not all about being holy, 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 and just loving and being so gentle. And the, You're a warrior, man. You're a warrior and your day is drawing nearer and nearer. And right now, let me tell you, it's easier and easier to see God's warriors from the people who aren't. Look around you. And let me tell you, Jesus said it himself, narrow is the gate. Narrow is the gate, which means that you're going to look around you and you're not going to find a whole lot of warriors. But listen, if you are a true Christian, if you have Jesus, not just a Savior. I mean, Savior is a free gift, dude. Hey, I died on a cross. I give you your salvation. Thank you, Jesus. But Jesus as Lord as well. Okay, Lord, my life is yours. Now, hey, he knows that your life is his. But the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is not going to get involved in areas of your life that you don't submit to him. So it's not going to happen if you don't submit to the Holy Spirit and say, Jesus, not only are you my Savior, but you're my Lord, which means that anything I go through, you're lording me through it. You're directing me through it. Why, why are we having trouble with our finances, Jesus? Why, why did I lose my job, Jesus? Instead of looking about the, how horrible things are, Jesus, did I lose my job because you're ticked off at me? Or Jesus, did I lose my job because you're, you're punishing me? 
No. Jesus, did I lose my job because maybe you're opening up new horizons? Maybe you're opening up new doors for me. Maybe you want me to go out and, and do something new. Maybe you want me to go on the mission field. I talked to a guy today who I called him up and, and uh, we're doing a, a business deal. Uh, we're doing a giveaway with, with some things and I wanted to get a corporate sponsor. And I called this guy up and he, and he said, oh no, I've been laid off from the company I work for. I said, really? I said, well, I'm sorry to hear that. He goes, oh, no, man, it's going to give me a chance to go on vacation for, you know, for three weeks, four weeks, and, you know, and come back and regroup, and there's some things I'm working on, and I'm just going to kind of cruise around for a little bit and, and see, what's, see what, what I'm going to do, and maybe around December or January, I'll find my groove, you know? This guy's not a believer, okay? He wasn't freaking out. I was like, dude, do you know that the job market out there is a bear right now? He said, exactly. He said, and it's summertime, and it's a time right now to just kick back. He said, I'm going to go visit my parents uh, in Thailand for the summer. My wife and my kids are going with me, and, and we're going to have a good time in Thailand, and we're going to come back in September. And I mean, this guy absolutely was not worried. He had total faith that when he got back, and, and this guy doesn't specialize in a bunch of stuff. I mean, he works, he works doing promotion and sales and stuff. And it's not a time to be really promoting or selling much in the marketplace right now. Okay, because sales are through the floor. Because the economy is in the toilet right now. But that doesn't matter to us as Christians. Because though a thousand may fall at one side and ten thousand fall on a... This won't come near you. It won't approach you. And if it does touch you, it's because God wants to show you something. And when you don't know if you can handle it, well, God's made a provision for that as well. In order that you may have strength. In order that you may have strength. Turn back to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6 again, and verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Notice, of His might. Of His might. Not your might. See, the problem with, with, with a lot of Christians is that when adversity comes, they, they take God out of the equation. And it takes God a long time sometimes to let that person keep bumping their head against the wall so that they finally realize that they are not going to be able to accomplish what the Lord is trying to accomplish because they keep getting in the way of His plan. If God takes you out of a job or if God takes you out of a situation and puts you in a silent circumstance... Okay, in a circumstance where you really, you just have a lot of time on your hands, you have money, maybe a money for a month or two or three, and this, don't run around in your own situation like a chicken with your head cut off filling applications here, and applications there, and, 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 and I know that that doesn't make sense. Some guys are looking at me going, yeah, but you don't have my wife. <laughs> well, the only reason your wife freaks out that way, man, is because she doesn't see you on your knees. And she doesn't see you thanking God in the good times. So God only comes into the picture when it's a 911. But see, if you had a consistent life where your wife understood that you're not the provider in your home, that the Lord is, do you guys understand that nobody here is their own provider? Amen. There's not one person in this room right now or listening to this MP3 that is their own provider. If you believe that, you're ignorant. You're ignorant of a very, very, very truthful thing. The Lord is my provider. I shall not want. My wife says, well, what are you going to do when times are tough? Well, I'm going to ask the Lord. It's not my life anymore. I, 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 he's Lord and Savior. Lord means I'm a slave. Slaves, all they got to do is wake up and say, yes, sir, master. They get three squares a day if they're lucky. And, uh, and they get a roof over their head. And everything else they do, what the master has to say. Oh, sure, Mikey, that's easy for you to say. No, it's not. Not at all. It's not easy at all for me to say. And it's one of those things that by God's grace, I've been able to live it. But I've also fallen short many times. But just because I haven't been able to always live it 100% doesn't mean I'm going to water it down for you. That would be doing everyone here a disservice. 
Turn to 1 Chronicles 16 and go down to verse 11. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face continually. How many wives only see their husband? Oh, babe, I know we, we've never prayed together. But now that I just lost my job and now that all the money's gone in the bank, let, let's get real spiritual. Let's get, let, hallelujah, glory to God, praise you, Jesus. Well, let me ask you a question. Last week we studied about Job, right? And while that was a very bitter pill to swallow, losing his family and all that stuff, and I pray that I never get away from the Lord to that degree, okay? That was the way that God finally got Job to a place of proper worship. Do you realize that you could be living a Christian life, okay, but does your life do God honor? Does your life, or do you, or are you just a Christian and church on Sunday? Are you just a, a, a Christian, you know, because you keep the Christian radio station on in the car and you spend 15 minutes a day reading your Bible? Is that, is that what you call Christianity? Or do people know you as a person of integrity? Do people know that you believe in Jesus Christ and that Jesus is the Lord of your life? Not that you're a Christian freak that's running around judging everybody. Okay, not that you're one of those Christian freaks that thinks he's better than everybody. Judging everybody, that nobody wants to be around you. But are you a person that everybody says, man, you know, Johnny's just so peaceful. You know, and, and, and he seems to be pretty, pretty rooted in whatever that is he believes. I mean, that's, that's amazing. You know, this is why God sometimes brings turmoil upon the life of the believer. And even though it may look like what's going on in the world, even though it may look like famine is coming to your house and you're going to suffer, listen, don't bring that stuff upon you. Like Job, the thing you fear the most may come upon you, not because God wants to do it to you because God sees you as washed clean with the blood of the lamb if you're in a place if you're in a wilderness experience because God wants to teach you something okay then you're going to simply go through the wilderness for a little while until you learn your lesson and then come back and apply what you've learned if you look in the scripture every time somebody went out into the wilderness what happened to them they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. What for? When he was out in the wilderness, what happened to him? He was tempted in all things. Which means that right before your situation, you're going to get a dose of the Holy Spirit. Now, are you going to quench that dose of the Holy Spirit? By your stinking thinking? By your stupid confession? Or are you going to accept what's in front of you today and, and say, you know what, Lord? I, I, I don't understand what's going on, but I am open to whatever it is that you want me to experience here at this moment in my life because I know that all things you're doing work for my own good. No one knew this more than David. Do you know David? Uh, King David was anointed when he was about 14 years old and he spent the next 15 years of his life running from Saul. Okay, I mean, David knew he was the Lord's anointed. In, in Psalms, if you look at Psalm 28, the Lord is my strength and my shield. There are so many places in Psalms where David referred to the Lord as his strength. I, I, I was doing research for the, for the teaching tonight on the computer. There were literally hundreds of mentions of God being David's strength. Prophets, different prophets. Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. Okay? And they're talking about Jesus. And Jesus said, you do what I do and more. Okay? For I go to the Father. So if the Spirit of the Lord was going to rest upon Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord is not only going to rest upon you, it's going to rest in you. Okay? And what happens? Well, when you get the Spirit of the Lord... According to Isaiah 11.2, you get the spirit of wisdom and understanding. 
So now, now if you have the spirit of wisdom and understanding, you're going to start learning from your situation. The spirit of counsel and strength means God's going to not only give you the wisdom, but give you the ability to share it with others, to share it with your wife, to share it with your children. Look, guys, we're going through this because God is doing this or this or this or this and to give you the strength to stand in it. And we're going to stand on what the Lord is showing us. You understand? The spirit of knowledge and, and the fear of the Lord. That does not mean... Fear is one of those words... that, And I, I really don't understand why they haven't used the word awe in the Bible. Awe, like whoa. And the awe, the whoa of the Lord. You understand? That's a whole different thing than the thing I feared the most has come upon me. Turn to Isaiah 12, verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. See, it's, it's, it's a different kind of fear that we're dealing with here. It's, it's a fear of the Lord versus the fear of the world and what the world can do. Do you know that, that nothing can touch you? The scripture says, who is it that can take mine out of my hand? For the Lord God is my strength and my song. You know that things are doing good for you spiritually when in the middle of your turmoil, you can sing, you can worship. Boy, what an example that you can make to others when they look at you and they know your circumstances, not because you're sitting out there going, woe is me, I'm poor, I'm broke, I lost my job, they're getting ready to foreclose on my house. If you'd stop that silly confession and get in front of God and ask him why that stuff is happening, chances are that stuff will stop in its tracks. And if by chance your house you lose it. If by chance, your job, you lose it. God does not close the door without opening up a window. A window of opportunity. Now you've got a window of opportunity for you to look and see, okay, well, I don't have a job. I don't have that job anymore. I, I don't have my house here anymore. And I thought I was so rooted here. <laughs> All right, Lord, let's hit the road. What are we going to do? And again, if you're, you know, you say, yeah, but that's easy. What about my wife? What about my kids? Well, if your wife and your kids see your godly example and they see that you are submitted to the Lord and you believe that wherever God is going to take you is good and that you trust him, they're going to do the same thing right along with you. And not only that, but my, my wife actually has tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, man, uh, what happened to your faith? In the middle of situations, I remember when we were buying our house. I, I was ready to, to give up and move out and, 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 and go find another place. And, and my, my wife was very clear. She put her foot down and she said, you know, God didn't put us in this beautiful house, in this wonderful situation, for us to lose it. And I'll tell you something. On the day that we closed on my house, on the day that we closed on my house, we had been renting it. On the day that we closed on my house, I had an eviction notice on my front door. You want to talk about a woman of faith. My wife looked at that eviction notice. She'd look at that eviction notice and say, it's a lie from the devil. That's a lie from the devil. And, and she started, and she had, she had started packing boxes because I told her, honey, we, we, we're going to have to move. I mean, this is the, the party's over, you know. We, we're not going to be able to get the loan. And, and some things happened and came through for us. Um, and, and we actually got a prophecy in the middle of all of this where the actual mortgage broker that, that closed on our house called me up one day and said, Mikey, you know, are you trying to buy that house? And I said, well, I'm trying to find somebody to buy it so maybe I can rent it from them and, and maybe later when things get better for me, I can buy it from them. He said, Mikey, the Lord told me that he wants you to have that house. And he wants me to help you get it. And I said, but yeah, but I'm not going to lie to get it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, pull any strings or, 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 or fake anybody out. And he said, no, no, no. He said, I said, I won't lie on any documents. He said, no, we're not going to do that. And let me tell you, I'm here to tell you that we got a house and 
we didn't lie on one single document. Not one. And we walked away from the table with money so my wife could paint and put up new curtains. And I mean, it was amazing. Amazing. I was, I was totally freaked out by that. And it's a, it's a story that, that, that we, we love to share with people when they're going through a tough situation because God is an 11th hour, 59th minute, and 59th second God. Okay, God is not going to always, I'm not saying that God won't give you provision, but nine out of 10 times, at least in my experience, God wants you to trust him. God wants you to say, all right, Lord, I don't really understand what's going on here. And really, I can't figure it out. But as, as Paul said, you know, I can do all things through him that strengthens me. I know that you are my provider and I trust you. You understand? And, and whenever I fall short, whenever I fall short, whenever I doubt, your scripture says that your grace is sufficient. So I will trust you. And this is where we need to do this slowly. I mean, you're not going to be able to do this big faith thing right away. It's like going to the gym. I've said it before. You can't walk into the gym and immediately start, you know, benching 250. You've got to go in there and you've got to start benching 60 pounds first and look like a wimp. You eventually gain the muscle, but you're not going to gain the spiritual muscle, right, unless you work it out. Okay, understand in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Again, not ooh. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So, fearing the Lord, fearing the Lord is to be in awe. Wow, I can't believe this. I can't believe this stuff. And knowing Jesus is the beginning. Wow. So Jesus said this stuff. So not only did Jesus save me, but Jesus actually told me what I would be going through. And for what? To escape all these things that are about to take place. Do you realize that everything, again, that's taking place right now has been written? D, you're, 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 you're going to read again for us. If you would read us Turn to Daniel, okay? And, and I know we're doing a lot of jumping around today, but we're, we're almost finished, I promise. Turn to Daniel chapter 10 and read us verse 12 through 14. Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the days yet Future. The angel came to talk to Daniel about the things that were going to come. And, and those of you who have read Daniel, you know on, that he goes on to talk about the Antichrist and all these different things. And the book of Daniel, um, and we'll do a study at some point, is not a chronological book. The difference between the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation is uh, a chronological book. And the book of Daniel was actually written out of order. Okay, and, and uh, one day we'll do a study and I'll actually put it together and show you the actual order that that book should be in. Understand that when he humbled himself, which means he took himself out of it. I'm not interested in what I think. Let me humble myself and ask God, God, what is this? Send me an answer. And understand that it took spiritual warfare. Do you understand that Jesus said, what you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven? And what you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So if you are binding and loosing, sometimes what you bind on earth takes a while to get bound in heaven. But there are angels ready to fight on your behalf. Every, every time before we do Bible study, what do we do? We deploy angels, don't we? 
There's a reason for that. That's scriptural. Angels are available. When you lose your car keys, this may sound silly, ask an angel to show you where it is. Ask the Holy Spirit. I'm not, I'm not kidding, y'all. When you lose your car keys, when you can't find your car in the parking lot, when you lose the $10 that you thought you had in that pocket, when you forget something, or when you want to remember something, ask the Holy Spirit to remember you. God is a practical God. God wants to be involved in every aspect of your life. If God wants to be in every part of your life, don't just call on Him when it's a 911. Ask God to remind you of everything. Ask God to remind you to pray for your family. Ask God to give you strength to do this. Ask God to give you peace to do that. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom in this situation and to give you utterance in that situation and to tell you when to be quiet in the other situation and to tell you how to deal with your boss and to tell you how to deal with your kids and how to deal with your husband or your wife or, or, or that coworker that, that's bugging you all the time or that person in traffic. In all things, make prayer and supplication. Ask God, invite Him. Don't think that prayer is just being on your knees. It's humbling yourself to the point of understanding that everywhere you are is the Holy Spirit. Everywhere you are. If you're in your car, the Holy Spirit's there. If you're at your job, the Holy Spirit's there. If you're at the gym, the Holy Spirit's there. If you're at home, the Holy Spirit's there. All He's waiting for you to do is ask Him into the situation. If you invite the Holy Spirit into your situation, He will always lead you out of it. But you must invite Him. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Humble yourself. Admit that you can't do it. Invite the Lord into your circumstance. It may take 21 days for your prayer to get answered. It may take 21 months. It may take 21 years. But surely it will come to pass. Stand on that word. God wants you to not only pray, but God wants you to remind him of his word. He's watching over his word to perform it. But he also says, bring my word to my memory. Not because he's forgetful and a dummy, but because he wants you to be encouraged by it. God's already watching over his word to perform it. But if you activate that word in your life, same as we were talking about the promises, it's, it's like going into the stream and seeing all the fish going by. But unless you reach in with a net, you can reach in with your hand all you want. You're never going to catch one of those fish. You need to put yourself in a position to receive God's word on your situation. And when you do that, you are going to be in continuous relationship with the Holy Spirit. So this is why Daniel, it took him so long to get this prayer answered. But ultimately, hey, I'm sure Daniel, Daniel just thought he was going to pray and you know he was just going to get the same old revelation he got. He freaked out, man, when an angel popped up and said, hey, man, God heard your prayer from the first day and here I am. He kept telling Daniel, don't be afraid. <laughs> don't be afraid, man. I wonder what it is to see an angel. They always, every time they popped up in the Bible, say, fear not. It must be really freaky to see an angel. So let's wrap this up. Now, to stand before the Son of Man, well, the only way that any of us are going to stand before the Son of Man at the Bema Seat of Judgment, okay, which is different than the great white throne judgment we've talked about before, is to have His righteousness. And I wondered why in this, in this uh, uh, place here, man was capitalized. Let me tell you why Jesus is called the Son of Man. Do you know why Jesus is called the Son of Man? The Son of Man is a title. Okay, Jesus is the Son of Man and the Son of God. Understand that as the Son of Man, He's an advocate for us with God the Father. Okay, with His Father. So Jesus is literally a bridge. He, so it's, it's kind of like He knows both languages. He walked in our shoes. He knows what we went through. He lived 33 years as a man. He was tempted in every single way that you and I are. So he knows. So he is the son of man. He knows what we went through. He's not just sitting up there on, in heaven telling you, do something that I couldn't do. He's not telling you, oh, live a life that I didn't live. He's saying, hey, listen, I came to earth. I lived the same life you lived. I lived it perfectly because I'm the son of God. And the Son of Man. But where you fall short, well, here's where the Son of God part comes in. Because I'm the Son of God, 
you have an advocate in the Father. And you're mine. You're God's kids. And because of that, because of His righteousness, because of Him being the Son of Man, you will be able to stand before the Father and all your sins are washed away, white as snow. In Matthew 24, 13, Jesus is talking here. It says, But one who endures to the end, he shall be saved. One who endures to the end. One who endures to the end. Understand, folks, that we're not at the end yet. We're in the end times. But endure. You're called to endure. And whether we're talking pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, all that stuff about the rapture, I, I don't know when the rapture is going to come. And it doesn't really matter. My scripture says here that I'm to endure till the end. Whichever that is, if it's a pre-tribulation, if it's a mid-tribulation, or it's a post-tribulation rapture, I'm to endure to the end. And when is the end? Well, the end is when Jesus comes to take me away along with the rest of his church, blameless and spotless. He shall be saved on that day. And that's what we need to stand for. We need to stand, stand proud and know that, hey, we're children of Christ, and because he's given us these tools to understand the times, to stay on the alert, to see what's going on, to know the times around us, and not be afraid that we're going to be able to stand in that day where everyone else is freaking out and saying, what's going on? And you're the only voice of reason, the only voice of calm, the only voice of support in the room saying, hey, this is all God's plan. And if you want to be a part of God's plan, let me introduce you to the Lord Jesus. Go out and be disciples. Go out there and share the good news. Listen, this is a great time to tell people about the greatness of God and to explain because a lot of people are wondering why the heck this is happening. The scripture says they're naked and they're blind and they don't know it. If you saw somebody walking down the street naked and they were bumping into stuff, what would you do? Wouldn't you go throw something over and say, hey man, you're naked and let me help you. Let me help you get somewhere. If you know that there's a world out there that's naked and blind and it doesn't know it, don't be condescending to them. Don't tell them, you moron, don't you know you're naked and blind? Because you know what? At one point you were naked and blind and didn't know it either. And you know what won you to Christ? I certainly hope. is not the fear. As in, Ooh. But the fear, the awe, whoa, Christ is so awesome. Christ is so wonderful. Lord, you're so beautiful. Let people see that. Let people know about that. And I assure you that that love of, of Christ will overwhelm them. Amen? Amen? Father, we give you thanks and praise for your teaching tonight, Lord. Lord, let it sit in our spirits, Lord. Father, let us go out and Understand the times and share the good news with others. Lord, give us words to strengthen those around us that may not understand what's going on. But Lord, we thank you for your revealing word in your scripture and for the witness of your Holy Spirit to these things. Continue to minister to us, to us in these times. Use us to be salt and light in this world. In a world that's hurting, that needs you so badly, Lord Jesus. Use us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.